Hi there, I'm Andrew Batiste and I'm a teacher and e-learning coordinator. And I'm Nathan Richards, also a teacher and school digital support officer. Everything Microsoft Education is a free podcast. We cover what's new and changing with educational technology within Office 365 for schools. So in today's episode, we're going to take a look at getting to know the features of the new Edge browser, setting up your assignments for the new year, especially if you are based here in Australia, and how Minecraft have expanded their lesson library. So straight into Microsoft Edge. So Microsoft Edge is a web browser that has been around for a little while, but it's seen some recent updates um, in the last year or so. It's actually made it quite, um, I guess, comparable to some of the other web browsers out there like Google Chrome. I've moved across to Microsoft Edge at the end of last year and really liking the experience. There's some really cool features there specific for education and teaching and I'm even moving a lot of our students across to Microsoft Edge at the school I'm at now because we're a Mac school and generally set up um, Safari as a default browser, which isn't fully compatible with some of the stuff that we use, which is mostly Microsoft. So moving the students across to the Microsoft Edge browser is gonna be really cool. So Nathan's gonna go through a couple of the really cool features um, that Microsoft has, Edge has for education. Cool, yeah. So we will start with the one that I guess is one of the big features for Microsoft and they have basically inbuilt Immersive Reader into Edge, which is a bit of a game changer inside of that space. So for instance, I know on an iPad and that you can technically select text and get it to read aloud, which is something a lot of people are common with, but those additional features of Immersive Reader and those teachers that are fans of Immersive Reader have that. But I guess even for um, students just browsing the web themselves, any students that need that sort of support with the immersive reader tools can freely use that just through searching through the web. They don't have to be on Teams or Word or that sort of stuff to get those advantages. Yeah, absolutely. Some pages in there will be automatically supported by immersive reader. So where you type in your, your web address or your URL, there'll be the little immersive reader book icon will appear at the end. That means that that web page is basically supported by Immersive Reader and you can click on that and it will do the work for you. Otherwise, students can select the text by highlighting it on the page as to what they want converted into Immersive Reader and then by right-clicking, that's gonna open that up for them. So what are what are some of the other reasons? Why, why would I convert across to Microsoft Edge, Joe? Yeah, so we actually have a, a few to go through here that I've become quite a fan of, especially for teaching. And we'll start just by basically right-clicking on the page. So some of the, you know, little but nice things here will be for those schools that have cast-based media devices set up. You can, if you've got a web page that you want to quickly show to the class, you can right-click on the page and it will pick up that device if you have it set up. They do need to obviously be set up specifically for cast media so that won't work to my knowledge with something like an apple tv but lots of schools are set up differently so that may be something you can benefit from then the other one there is the translate function which is a huge um, feature 
that we keep seeing being embedded across Microsoft products. You do need to keep in mind, Andrew, though, if you are using Translate with students, so you know students where English isn't their first language, you will actually need to set the default Translate language for what they want to. You know, if you had a Japanese-speaking student, you will need to set that. I don't speak any other language than English, so mine is defaulted to English. So if I did speak a different language, I'd need to have that changed. Yeah, so that's going to be a big advantage, I guess. Um, whenever we do have those students that sort of come into our class that are from international countries and things like that, I know I had a student from Japan last year that did really struggle um, with just sort of understanding some of the content. So having that translate feature is going to be a big advantage for some of those students. Yeah, absolutely. With this other one that I've become to really love, uh, it was in the old version of Edge and then disappeared but has now reappeared thankfully and it's called the web capture tool um, based so by right clicking on the page that you want you can select web capture that will then capture an image of the web page that you're on or you can select a proportion of the screen that you want captured and then you've either got basically i guess like a screenshot because i know there are screenshotting options but otherwise you can directly on your screen start to highlight, type, you know, get your stylus out if you've got a stylus enabled device and start note taking um, on directly onto a web page, which is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. That's going to be a big advantage. What about extensions? Extensions, yeah, absolutely. There's this kind of, it's not quite an extension, but it appears in, as an extension that is automatically there in Edge. It's called Collections, Andrew collections are similar to I guess bookmarking in a way but it's like creating categories where you can basically store items based on what you want so for instance I have a collection called Minecraft education so whenever I'm browsing and I come across things that I think will be useful for Minecraft education I can right click on that web page and add it as an extension one of my big favorites will be adding the OneNote Web Clipper. That's one of my favorite extensions. So basically, again, I'm browsing, I can click that Web Clipper, it syncs with my OneNote, and I can basically put content directly from the web straight into my OneNote. Do you have a favorite one? Yeah, so one I like um, and use quite regularly is there's one called Share to Teams. So there's a little extension you can add, uh, and then any website you're on, whether it's something like um, a Kahoot or some information research, you can quickly hit that button and that's going to give you a little pop-up window. It's going to ask you which team or channel you want to share that to. You can see and send that directly to the team. And you even have the option to send that link as an assignment. So you can set up assignment in Teams. So if you are using Microsoft Teams, the combination of Edge and, and all these sort of things sort of teaming up together is going to be really, really cool. Side note, you can get all of your Chrome extensions if you're someone that uses Microsoft Chrome and, and unsure where to come across, you do still have access to the Chrome extension store and you can keep all of those extensions that you maybe already had previously set up. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, there's so much more inside of Edge um, that we could just keep going on about, but we'll probably leave it there for now. You can research more about how you can create instant QR codes as well from web pages so you're not having to use like a QR code website to develop them. But definitely if you haven't got into Edge yet, go in there, check it out, especially for teachers, it's gonna definitely have some benefit there.
So we're going to talk about next is assignments. So especially it's the beginning of the year here. We are only into week two of the of the first term in Australia, and a lot of teachers will be going through that process of setting up their team. So we wanted to have a chat about what you might want to do in assignments before you get going with your students. Do you want to? I can see on your screen you have a particular setup here as to how you're approaching assignments this year. Do you want to like run us through that? Yeah, so there's a couple of new features that came out around assignment. I think it was towards the end of last year. So it's it's been around for a little bit. It's something that was probably easily missed. So something that you maybe not have come across. But when you head across to your assignments tab in any team and you're in the option where you can create a new assignment or um, create an assignment from an existing or create a quiz, um, in the top right hand corner, three little dots, your little ellipses is generally your go-to for teams. Anywhere you see those dots, you're going to want to click on that and see what sort of information you can find from there. But there's a new option there called assignment settings. Now, what I'm doing this here is one of the options is you can change where, what channel you want that assignment to post to. So the default is general. So whenever you've created assignment previously, it automatically goes to that general channel. And if you're someone like me that uses the assignment feature a lot, and you post a lot in the general channel, start to get, um, I guess, a bit too much for the students if there's lots of assignments and things. You want to be able to, I guess, keep track of things and make things a bit neater. What I've done is I've created an assignment, um, a channel, sorry, called assignments, and then I've gone into the default settings and I've changed so that all my assignments default to post to that channel. So all the assignments are gonna to post to the assignments channel, and then I can keep my general channel very much open and free for information pushing out to the students. But some of the other features you have in there, you can also set a default assignment time. So if you want, you know, all of your assignments, you maybe your school rule is, you know, 8.30 or nine o'clock, whenever your assignments are due, you can default that. You can always change it whenever you create a new assignment, but you can create a little default timeline there. You can turn on and off the celebrations. I definitely keep that on. That's something that gets the kids a bit more engaged in their actual assignment. And the last one is new students. So whether a student that is new to a class, whether they're gonna receive any assignments previously to when they um, join that class. So the default is no, so they won't receive any old assignments. But if you're in a situation where you need the students to have access to those previous assignments, soon as they join the class all of those assignments will then be allocated to that student so you just need to go in and um, change that from no to yes so some really cool little features to the assignment feature that yeah you may have missed yeah i'm a big fan of that idea of setting up an assignment channel i always remember students tend to respond quite well to that post section inside of teams because i guess it feels familiar to them it's based on a lot of be the social media platforms that they're using so that's where they were always constantly going back to find assignments but the problem always was with the general channel that it would get lost so you would post an assignment and then you might post a message or post about a document or someone might put a question up and then so this assignment link gets lost and although you know I you definitely need to teach the kids to click on assignments or use the assignment based features. A lot of them start in that space. So I guess by creating that assignment channel, you're just keeping things a little bit more neater, a little bit more organized for them. Yeah, for students that may yeah, maybe struggle to find information or things that you know can't even find a book in their school bag, it's definitely gonna be useful for those sort of kids. Yeah, no, I agree, absolutely.
So the next thing we were going to look into was Minecraft. So there have been a few changes in Minecraft. We're just gonna talk about one of them today and that is the lesson library. What sort of um, what sort of things have we seen in the lesson library, Richo? We've got some, some new lessons. Absolutely, so it's kind of always based off um, the curriculum areas. We kind of saw them, so your science, math, computer science, you could click in the library section to see them. We've seen three extra ones pop up, which is kind of cool. They are based around non-curriculum based uh, information. So we've got things like digital citizenship, social and emotional and equity and inclusion. So basically teachers can open them up. There's about, there's a few lessons in there. There's not a lot, obviously it's new. So I think we can make an assumption that that is going to be you know, increased over time as more resources get made or get referenced basically. And for anyone that's new to Minecraft, these are worlds that are already set up? Yeah, essentially. So the it's like a template world that's being designed. The cool thing Minecraft will do is that whenever they place a world inside of their software, so inside of their library, they will tend to always provide you with things like descriptions and objectives, um, also like extensions as well. Like yeah, how can you take this task further? Yeah, so I guess finding some really cool ways to embed some of that stuff into the classroom. Yeah, so I know there's a modeling gratitude lesson that sits in there. I think it's part of the social emotional lesson library. And the big thing is, is that, you know, students will go in, they'll use Minecraft, they'll follow that lesson structure to, I believe, build a scene that models gratitude. But they also provide you with, I guess, further lesson ideas to expand past that. So outside of the software as well, which is really, really brilliant because sometimes teachers just need that, that little bit of help, especially when it's something maybe like Minecraft and they feel a little bit overwhelmed by it. So the example that they give with the modeling gratitude is that you know afterwards maybe students could write a short narrative or a poem that actually accompanies the scene that they created. So they don't necessarily need to stay inside the world to do that, they, they could. They can use the book and quill, but there's also nothing wrong with taking something that they've created in that digital space and then writing about it, you know, in their books. Yeah, so I guess there's there's always a strategic learning objective with, with all of these worlds that um, there's always something that the students need to do or complete or build or things like that. And there's generally always some kind of learning that goes along with it, um, which is the advantage of just this whole education Minecraft version that they've created. Yeah, and it's still, a lot of these will still lean towards that collaborative style. So the big thing that I love about game-based learning is it's, it's still teaching those, those skills of, you know, working together as a team and collaboration and communication. And, you know, it's kind of a, not like a stress-free environment, but it's an environment where students quite often feel safe to fail because they know they can just start again and that they can redevelop and they can learn from their mistakes which is something that we always find generally in teaching that is quite hard to teach as a practice but i always find i have really great success when using minecraft with kids and they they, they feel okay to fail inside that space and start again and improve on their work so pretty happy to see that there is that that pastoral side coming into the minecraft world and it's not just purely kind of curriculum based yeah, so if you are, I guess, new to Minecraft or, or I guess curious to getting involved in Minecraft, definitely 
um, have a look at the Minecraft education website. There's some really cool resources on there and information to get you started, how-to guides, that sort of stuff. I, even myself, for a long time, looked at Minecraft and thought it was just a game, didn't really have much interest in it. Uh, but in the last 12 months, I've really got into it and started embedding it into some of my classes. And, and the kids just love it. They get so engaged. They get super excited. Um, when they're able to actually create and build something and there's always that specific objective um, learning objectives built into it. Alright, and the last one we're going to talk about is Forms. What a new feature for Microsoft Forms, Richard? Yeah, so we always try and find something that is coming out and that hasn't hasn't appeared yet and that is basically inside of forms i've worked with a lot of teachers who get frustrated that in the education version of forms that you can't basically do text formatting so you can't bold or italicize words and that can be quite important especially if you're trying to you know highlight cognitive verbs or something along those lines so we have a good knowledge that it's actually being rolled out at the moment so it's really going to be dependent on your tenant and who where, where you are in the world but we should see that rolling out so you're going to be able to go into forms and make those changes and put some text formatting in there's going to be i, I know personally of a few teachers are going to be pretty happy about that one being being rolled out all right well that's it for our session today thank you for listening to our recent updates on what's new and changing with educational technology within Office 365 for schools. Don't forget, if you're a user of OneNote or Minecraft, we'll talk about some of those things today. Uh, Nathan and I have YouTube channels set up for both of those things. We've got everything OneNote and everything Minecraft Education Edition. We can access a whole lot of videos, tutorials, how-tos, examples, templates, things like that to assist you and enhance your teaching practice. So until next time, see ya. Thanks guys.